Hello, and welcome to Fresh Blood, a podcast about killing it after 40, where we prove that new blood does not necessarily equal young blood. Here to discuss what it takes to have continued success through life, I'll be your host, Jolie Downs. With over 20 years of executive recruiting experience, I've learned how much we can grow and be inspired by other people's stories. I'm excited to share that with you here on Fresh Blood. Today, we are speaking with Teresa Abram. Teresa is the owner of Handwriting PI, a full-service handwriting analysis business, and she is the creator and host of the podcast, A Most Unusual Tea Party, which uses the letter T to unlock pieces of a person's story. As a graphologist, she decodes the graphic movement we create when we put pen to paper and can delve deep into someone's mind and personality. Consider her a personality investigator who can spot the red flags of a dangerous personality, see what is holding someone back, and identify their strengths. Using the principles of biofeedback therapy, she can also provide people with easy, practical changes to their writing that can lead to positive changes in their lives. Teresa is a member of the American Handwriting Analysis Foundation, and I have to admit, I'm very fascinated and I can't wait to learn more. Teresa, thank you for joining us on Fresh Blood. Please, can you tell us a little bit more about your story and your path to where you are today? Thank you so much, Jolie, for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. I My path to get here has been a little bit of a zigzag. Certainly, doing handwriting analysis is a bit of a quirky kind of profession, and I didn't get to it in an easy way, that's for sure. I started out, actually, if you were talking to me six years ago, I was the general manager of a home building oh, company. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's so a big difference. It's, it is a large difference, and life has a way of happening. And back then, six years ago, I was in talks to buy the company, oh. and I was finishing the courses to become a master builder, and my life was mapped out. And then life happened. Which, what happened? Oh my goodness. Basically what happened is the owners of the company that I worked for decided to close up shop. I live in Canada. And at that point we were just at the start, oil was taking a tumble Mm -hmm. and we were about two years into that. And they decided, you know what, they just wanted to close up. They didn't want to sell. They were just shutting it down effectively immediately. Oh, wow. It just took this. And you were working towards this. That's a big change. So tell me what happened after that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was a huge change, right? And I went into a meeting. We were I was prepped to talk about a new direction that we were going. We were going to take a new direction with the company. And uh, instead, the owner said, no, we're shut down effectively immediately. But we need you to stay on because we want to go on holidays. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. (laughs) So I did. And then after that, really, I I got stuck on that hamster wheel of have to. Mm. I was a single mom at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I just started taking jobs because I had to. I felt mm-hmm. that pressure that I had to provide for them. I had to do this. Yeah. Oh, true? yeah, that's a really tough one. But what I found is a lot of people didn't necessarily look at me. At that point, I was about 46 years old, though I had mm-hmm. the experience. They weren't really willing to give me a try. Yes, this is common. And Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to just do what actually feels good. 
what Ooh. feels right? What do I really want to do? And that started a whole different process for me. And it brought me around full circle to doing something that actually I've known about all my life. I had my first handwriting analysis done when I was like 14 years old with my grandma. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I thought- Was it right on? (laughs) What's interesting is I remember some parts of it. Yes. They were like, yeah, but whatever. And then I remember there was one part that they put on there. I was 14 years old. I had long hair. I had glasses, thick glasses. Mm -hmm. But in it, it said you were really attractive to the other sex. And I thought, oh, I don't think so. (laughs) Oh, so mean to ourselves. Gosh, yes. Uh, We are. are. Right? It's not right. You are gorgeous, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. It was just one of those funny things that when I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is not right, but whatever. And then uh, I moved on with it and have reconciled everything with it since then. So it was really an interesting thing to start with. Yeah. Okay. So basically, you found yourself in this position where you had this entire career plan, you were moving up to the next ranks. It was completely pulled out from under you, which many people can relate with really after this past year. Oh yeah. I'm not alone. Not alone. And you found yourself, and I love that you shared that you found yourself in the have to, because this is something that again, a large percent of us can relate to. And what you did was you went after your passion and that's how you got yourself out of this. I'm curious, like how did you, was handwriting analysis always something that was in the back of your head that was interesting or did you stumble onto something? Like how did that happen? So I've always known about handwriting analysis and it's something like checking the slope somebody writes at, whether they're writing on an uphill slope or a downhill slope, very much something that I do. It's part of who I am. And when I see handwriting, it's what I look for whether they write with a backhand slant or whether they write with a four, like a forward slant. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I've always had. It's, it was in my family. It was in my life since I was a teenager or preteen even. And so even as my kids were writing, I would take a note to see what are, what do I see in their handwriting as they would start to write things. And handwriting, of course, can be either cursive or printing. It doesn't matter. Either way, we can still read it. And it would help me just to see where are they at, gauge them, gauge their emotional thermometer. I love this. (laughs) Yeah. So it was always there. And after everything happened with that company and a couple, one of the jobs in particular that I took after that. I really blamed myself for not mm. seeing it coming. Oh, isn't that human right? too? Oh, and that, I know. And then but when you listen to someone else, you're like, no, <laughs> but it's so human to feel that way. Exactly. It's like, why didn't I see that coming? I should have known that that was going to happen. And I really took it upon myself. And then with one of the jobs in particular after, you know, that I took afterwards and the boss was a little bit crazy. And I realized afterwards I had never seen his handwriting. All of our communication was done on text. All of it was through email. I had never seen his handwriting. And I was like, that's a warning sign. (laughs) Yes. Did you see it by chance? Did you afterwards, after the fact? I'm so curious. (laughs) I know. He was an absolute, he was crazy. We were oil and water. And I really, and then so then, of course, after that, in the headspace that I'm in, and the had to and have to do this. and, And I, so again, I took that on myself and thinking, I should have done that. I should have seen his handwriting. So it was always percolating there. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until a few years later. And my daughter was like, and I said something about handwriting. And she's, mom, that's really cool. 
apparently I had never shared this with my kids. <laughs> it was you a were bit spying of a on them through their handwriting. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't want to tell them then. <laughs> no, I don't need my secret to get out, right? Yeah. But uh, anyway, and she was like, this is actually really cool, mom. You should do something with it. And I'm like, really? And then I looked into it again and I'm like, actually, she's right. I should do something with this because I love doing it. It's something that I believe in. I'm passionate about it. And I love spreading awareness about it because it's such a good tool for us to see behind what a person is trying to tell us, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yes, a lot of people will say what they want to say and they look a certain way so that we'll think something. Mm-hmm. But I like so to be you able probably to use this a lot for HR type of situations. Yeah, HR, it's awesome for HR. Mm-hmm. Because you can have somebody that comes in and says, yeah, they're really organized, but then you can look at their handwriting and see, are they actually organized or is there a little bit of chaos going on? Very interesting. So they call you to use you to analyze. Yes, potential that's the word. Yes. yes. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. So how did you end up starting your own business? Because this is a big step too, going from deciding that you're going to enter into this realm and starting your own business. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So... I had really decided I don't really want to work for anybody else. Mm -hmm. I did not like being hoodwinked. (laughs) I didn't like being, I felt like I'd been, the wind was totally knocked out of my sails. And I really felt very strongly I did not want that to happen again. Mm -hmm. And so I did start one business first. I took training to become a coach Mm -hmm. and I took uh, two years training to become a master coach. And then I started that business up first, but it wasn't really my passion. That Mm -hmm. wasn't really, it didn't really get me fired up. And that's when I said, and this is something I think is so important. And it took me 50 years to learn. It's okay to say, this isn't quite right to set it down, walk away and start something else. And that's what I did. I just thought, I know I don't want to work for anybody else, but I also want to make sure that I'm doing what I love. Yes. That's why I started it. Yeah. The thing that fills you up. That's fantastic. No, I can see that you love, you mean, you love talking about it. Like it gets you, it gets your juices flowing. And that's what we all want, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You know, to get up in the morning and feel those juices flowing without having to make. Exactly. And I always said like with, with home building, like we were a custom home builder. And I always said that it picked me. Mm-hmm. I didn't choose it. Mm-hmm. It picked me. Yes. So it was interesting to actually say, what is it that I really like doing? Mm. And I love doing this because it really allows me, if I'm working with people one-on-one and I do a lot where I'm helping people just to understand themselves a little bit better mm. and to see what roadblocks they might have. <clears throat> and I really love being able to have those deep conversations with people. That's what I love. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's and, fantastic. And I, I appreciate that you shared that you were getting passed over when you were looking for, for work. So this, that was the inspiration for this podcast was that so often people with 20 years plus experience are getting overlooked. They're not even looked at in the resume pile. Yeah. So I love that you took it in your own hands and said, you know what? I'm just not, I'm taking myself out of this ridiculousness and creating a new reality for myself. So congratulations to you for that. Now, through all of these different things that you've experienced, I'm curious, what do you feel is one or two of your greater successes in life? And and what did you learn from it? Really do feel that starting my own podcast Mm -hmm. is a huge success. I'm actually very proud of that. Yeah. Tell us about that. Sure. So I do have a podcast, The Most Unusual Tea Party. And that's where I do invite people onto the show and I do a handwriting analysis of them. And I also do what's called spot the lie and I identify their love language. Ooh. 
So it, it really gives me a lot of good practice right mm -hmm. in the moment where I get to talk for talk with people and get immediate feedback on whether or not I'm right or wrong, which is huge for me. Mm -hmm. And I would never have done it if it wasn't for my kids mm. because it's a lot of different technology. I don't yeah. know if people know this, if the people who are listening to this actually know just how much technology goes into making a podcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of different pieces that you have to coordinate. It really is. <laughs> it really is. And when my kids were starting talking about it, I'm like, yeah, sure, I can do that. And then I got into it and it's, wow, this is way more complex than I had anticipated. So I'm really actually quite proud of the fact that I could do it. I, I'm I did proud of you too, because it is a big deal. Thank you. Yeah. It is, right? It is. And, it's, yeah, and it I love that your kids helped you with that. How, like, how are they involved in helping you with the process? Every time I had stopped doing anything and they would ask me how it's going. And if I'd say I haven't really done anything, they'd be like, what do you need help with? Pretty much they were the ones I was accountable to them, essentially is what yeah. it came out with. My son did a lot of the research to find the hosting platform that would make the most sense for what I wanted to do because there's a lot of different choices out there. Mm. And so they really were able to step forward and say, hey, let's talk about it. Let's move you forward. Mm -hmm. So it's really and truly, it's almost everything that they're responsible for. <laughs> and just making exactly. sure that I take that next step. They weren't going to let me stop midway. They're like, nope, keep going. That's important. We need those people mm -hmm. in your life. We all need those people in our lives to help us keep Absolutely. moving forward. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, what about the flip side of the question? A perceived failure, a big challenge or obstacle that you had to deal with and how you overcame it? Yeah. I think I've already mentioned when I, yes. when suddenly that rug was pulled out from under me, yes. when I was no longer the general manager of the award-winning custom home builder, home building company. And it really hit me with the, who am I now? Mm. It was a real feeling of loss. And like I say, I really took it personally. I had done something wrong. I had missed those signs. So that is one. And what's really interesting is it actually echoed again in my personal life, mm. that same sort of thing happened again where I thought, I missed all of the signs. How could I do that? Mm. And that time it actually involved my daughter. And it involved somebody who was obsessive about her. And I was like, how did I miss the signs mm. again? And I, I let this event happen and I couldn't stop it. So I really felt that was a big failure on my part. Oh, I want to, yeah, it's, it's 2020. We all say that it's so easy with 2020 vision, but we can only see what we can see in the moment. Yes. So true. You can only see what you can see in the moment. And for me, when I'd happened that second time, that was a real wake up call because the same thing that I had done, taking it on myself, blaming myself. And I'm thinking, I'm never going to be able to trust anybody ever again. The defense is mm -hmm. kicking in. I saw it happening in my daughter. Oh, wow. And I thought, I do not want her to be living her life like that. She's only 18 years old. I don't need her to start off on that foot. That really prompted me to take more action again to mm -hmm. get that sorted out. But just to see that repeat itself and then to see her take the same action as I did, that to me, I, I really felt like a failure then. If I'm supposed to be showing the way for my kids and teaching them and guiding them. That gives me goosebumps, honestly, because right, right to see it do, you do see yourself played out in your kids and it's a wake up call. It is, it's like a, wow. Is yeah, that me? Of all the things that I want to teach them and leave yeah. them with? That's not it. Yeah. 
What, what yeah. did you do? Like, how did I, I'm curious about this because this is something that we all experience. I mean, what, what did you do in that moment? How did you make a shift for yourself? I really decided we had to stand up for ourselves, and I think that was the moment where it shifted. Mm-hmm. I felt the first time when it happened to me professionally, I didn't really feel that I could stand up for myself. What leg did I really have to stand on? If the owners decide to close the business, there's not much you can do. And I really put that mantle on a victimhood, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is embarrassing to admit, but I did, right? Oh, that's another human thing. Yes. It is. You got to recognize it, it mm-hmm. and pull yourself that's right. out. Yes. Exactly. And, I, and you've just said it right there. It's recognizing it and then you can pull yourself out. So when I saw it happening to my daughter and I thought, there is no way we're doing this. So we both got strong. And we said, no, we're going to take action because we can take action. doesn't matter how small it is. doesn't matter what anybody else is telling us. We're going to take it. And so we did. And we started to reclaim that power back. We were no longer giving it to this man who was doing all sorts of crazy things. Yes. <laughs> so that's, it was just little steps, little bit. And it's like, nope, that's not okay. What can we do against that? Mm-hmm. And really establishing those boundaries against him. That's great. So through all of these different experiences that you've gone through, what do you feel is essential really to having continued success through life and finding that fulfillment in life? Yeah. Honestly, I think it just comes down to getting engaged. Just say yes to something, be involved, learn, keep just staying engaged with what's going on around you with people, around you with technology, just stay engaged, yes. be curious and keep learning. Yeah. I really feel like that is what you need to do. It At least I do. That's for sure. I agree. I do agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, and also don't get on the hamster wheel. Ooh. <laughs> so many of us live there. And it's so hard to get off of once you get on it. So if you can just avoid getting on that darn thing to begin with, just take the other, take the other road. Yes. So tell me, (laughs) what life lesson have you learned the hard way? Oh, that's a good question. There's a quote by Maya Angelou, and it says, "When when someone shows you who they are, listen to them the first time. Mm -hmm. Yes. I admit I have a problem with this. Do you have suggestions? It's word, action, and handwriting, right? For me now, it's so important. Anybody, and same with my daughter, she meets somebody, she's getting a handwriting sample and she sends it to me. She's like, mom, is this person crazy? (laughs) Is this person going to be a lunatic? Mm -hmm. It helps give her a little bit of peace of mind. I think the biggest piece of advice is it's not about approaching everything and seeing the bad and thinking this could hurt me or they might be awful. It's actually the reverse. It's about staying open and still trusting people. But... If they do something that is strange and it makes your spider senses tingle, question it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't let your mind override it, which we will automatically try to override it and make sense right. of it. We do. We don't override do that. That, that. Like you said, I like the spider sense or that gut feeling that the tingles that mm-hmm. you get that yep. back of if your you neck or what have you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. right. If you get that, then you stop and you investigate it right mm-hmm. there. That's really good. And I I think back to both of those times, the one with the company when they were were closing up shop, I could have changed that a little bit. If I had listened to those spider senses, it could have gone differently. Definitely in the second case for sure. So I think I learned that one the hard way. That's a really good Still learning it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's, if anybody it, else has ideas, I'm open to it too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a consistent lesson that we all need to, we need the, re- we need the reminders. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really hoping to avoid a third one though. <laughs> yes, I, I, I agree. Really. We're learning the lessons and you're, you're obviously more aware of when those feelings come up to listen to them. And thank you for sharing absolutely. with all of us to be more aware and to listen to them. Yep. Now, absolutely. because you've had a unique experience through, through with getting this carpet pulled out from under you. Yep. A lot of people are struggling in the after the 40 in the 40s, 50s, 60s whenever there's a big change. And we've just had a huge change in this pandemic. Lots of people have lost yeah. their jobs. There's been lots of shifts regardless yeah. acquisitions, new CEOs. If anyone is in that category, they're somewhat struggling to find that right next role, what's right for them. Do you have advice for them from going through your own experience? Yep. <laughs> yep. I do. I think it's really important for you to be gentle with yourself. Mm, I agree. There is a grieving process. When something like that happens, you there is grief that goes along with it. And you just be gentle with yourself. Allow yourself time to mourn for what was, for all of the hopes and dreams that you had. Don't put the pressure on yourself saying, I've got to get it figured out right away. Just allow yourself that space mm. to just grieve. Yeah. And if that means you're going to take a 15-hour, $15 an hour job someplace so that it doesn't have any extra stressors or pressure for you, but then you can grieve and heal. And it's so important just to give yourself that time and that space, I feel. Yeah, it really is. You're the answers right. will come up. Yeah. All the time when they're in that position and there is, you can hear it. It's deep inside and it hurts. And, but there's this need to the scramble, like you said. And and yes, it is Mm -hmm. really important to take that time to grieve and to let that move through you. So you can be ready for the right next thing and be able to see that right next thing that it is right for you too. Because I, I think that that grief, I think this is really insightful. This that grief, it does put a film a little bit over the eyes. It, and it takes you back to the have to because it is that struggle inside. So Yeah, really exactly. Yeah. And I think the other part of that too, I'm gonna give you more advice. Yeah. I'm a coach too. Yeah, so yeah. let's <laughs> <laughs> ask for that. Oh, don't get me started. But I think like for me, the other part of that has just been integral is to give myself that space just to rest, to be okay, to heal. But also I really make sure that I'm taking time to meditate Mm -hmm. because, and it's not a huge long time. I have done meditation retreats where you meditate for 14 hours a day, but for everyday life, that's not what you need to do. It's just 10, 15 minutes. Just allow yourself to focus on the air conditioner, Mm -hmm. do whatever you have to do where you're not worried about paying bills, feeding your family, anything like that. So I think meditation is also something that is just super important and super helpful to move you through that transition. Oh, I completely agree. I'm a big fan of meditation as well. It makes a Are huge difference in life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If yeah. I'm not meditating, it feels like a, a dirty, like it feels like I haven't showered. It makes me a little cranky. Exactly. Yeah. And I can look at my day and say, this is, I, I meditated today and it was good. Mm-hmm. And then there's the days that I don't meditate and it's, oh yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm not yes. quite as prepared for my day. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, I've had those days where I'm just really flustered and you just that ah, energy. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes. I, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I really just need to go meditate. And, and I will, and it'll just be, it, it, it's like all this calm water. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So if, if you're not meditating, I we all highly suggest you look into it. 
Exactly. It's like hitting the computer's on-off button when it's not working quite right. Mm -hmm. You just hit that button to turn it on and off again. And meditation does the same for the human body. So what Mm -hmm. would you say of all of your life lessons that you have had, what's something that you've learned that's brought the most benefit to your life? Okay. I have a lot of life lessons because I tend to jump in with both feet and then it's only afterwards that I think maybe I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) I have many different life lessons. What would be the one that I think? I really think the one that I have learned, and it's certainly been, if I look back over my life, something that I've struggled with all the way through is that idea that I'm not good enough. I know in, I remember in elementary school, if I was second in something, it wasn't good enough. I wanted to be top in everything. And I don't think I ever shook that all the way through. I I was never quite good enough. If I didn't work for the top lawyer, I wasn't good enough. If I didn't, if we weren't winning awards when I was building homes, we weren't good enough. And I think for me, the biggest lesson has been, it's okay to not be good enough. I, I don't have to be number one. Yes. It's more important to be happy, yes. to enjoy what I'm doing. When you are good enough, you're good enough just as you are, with, even if it's not first place in the home building show or what have you, you still yes. are good enough. <laughs> Absolutely. The only time I would rather, I, I am always good enough. And I would rather be trying my best. And even if I don't end up top, at least I'm still trying. I'm still in the game. And that to me is way more important oh, yeah. now than being top anything, like whatever. That exactly. Matter. Well, and embodying your own game too. You can be that's top right. someone else's game, but that's meanless. <laughs> so. Oh, I really like that, Jolie. Yeah, you're so right. Create your own game. Isn't that what we do when we yes. create a business? It's like, now the rules are up to me. This is my game. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. That just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. I'm like, maybe that's why I decided I needed to make my own business because I want my rules, nobody else's. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We're following the rules that we want to (laughs) follow. That's That's right. And we can change them if they don't work, right? Exactly. It's a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed it is. (laughs) So now have you found that there's anything that helps motivate you during times of struggle? Yes, definitely handwriting analyst. So I journal a lot. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. Right. I journal a lot. And between journaling and meditation, I think those are what really get me through anytime I'm facing a struggle. If I'm feeling really like when you have your own business, sometimes you do hit roadblocks where you're just like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) And some of these, your kids actually can't help you with. You got to find the answer for yourself. It's not something that somebody else can give to you. And and I really find that journaling is what helps me. Mm. When I layer that with the handwriting analysis, there's ways of being able to tell where am I deceiving myself? What am I believing that isn't actually true? Mm -hmm. And that can be revealed in my handwriting. And then that will give me a clue of this is what I need to unpack so that I can move forward again. Mm. So certainly for me, journaling is instrumental. Oh, and moving good. forward through any struggle. Mm-hmm. Giving you that insight, huh? That's really good. I was curious. Yeah. So uh, with your handwriting analysis, is there any famous person that you've done, analyze their handwriting that's been the most fascinating to you throughout anyone throughout history that just through your own experiences? That, that's a really loaded question. Are you sure you want to open this can? Because let me tell you, <laughs> there's many. 
Okay. If you get an interesting um, story, I'll, we'll take it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, I'll tell you too. My favorite sort of one through history that I love to talk about is Richard Nixon's signature. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. It's a fascinating one. So, of course, Richard Nixon is, you know, tricky dicky, mm-hmm. the one that was impeached mm-hmm. and things went sideways for him as president. And if you follow the progression of his signature, if you see it before any of this happened and he's fresh and all inspired about being president of the United States, it's really quite nice and everything is well-formed. As he moves through the presidency, it just starts to fall apart. And then by the end, when he's going through his impeachment and it's, it's over, game over for him, it becomes basically a line with another line crossing it out. So it makes like this X. It becomes completely formless. Mm-hmm. And it really does convey that idea that he's his identity, he just wants to take himself out of the game. He's done. Because mm-hmm. his signature reflects that public persona. And he goes from being somebody who's really proud of himself, willing to take a stand, willing to say, here I am, look at me, to just taking himself right out of the game. So interesting. So, it is. His signature is really fascinating to see. As far as the most interesting one that I've done for myself... I'm not sure. I have two actually that are tied. Okay. (laughs) So one I did it for Robin Dreek, who Mm -hmm. is a, he was the ex-chief of the FBI behavioral analysis program. And now he's an author and the founder of the People's Formula. Fascinating guy. And his thing was counter espionage. Mm -hmm. So he was doing spies, international spies. That's who he dealt with. And when I got his sample, I really expected it to be very secretive and all sorts of interesting things in it. And it turned out not to be that way at all. It was like really upfront and honest. And I was so surprised by that. That's not what I expected to uh-huh. see. But he, he mentioned though. it was. I'm just like, this is, it's very yeah. cool to see this. And given that now he talks about trust, mm. like that's his whole thing is all about trust. And he said, people think that to be a good spy, you're going to have to be secretive and devious and all that kind of stuff. He said, but truly to be an exceptional spy, which he was, you have to be transparent and honest Mm. because you're asking these people to betray their country. If you're lying to them, they're never going to deal with you. Yes. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. So that was really fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) At least for me. And then the other one. Yeah. And then the other one is the complete opposite. I did an analysis. I had Chris Hadnagy on my podcast. And he is the founder of Social Engineering LLC. He's a human hacker. That's Mm. what he calls himself. He's a human hacker. Yeah. And he does all sorts of crazy things so that companies can improve their security and become less susceptible to getting hacked themselves. Mm. Okay. So he uses the same kind of things that con men do, but he uses it for the good. Awesome. Okay. And his handwriting came back full of all of the deviousness that I had expected to see in province. So I had a, it was a lot of fun to do his handwriting analysis and just say, wow, look at it all. I guess that makes sense to being a hacker. And that's why I said he took everything that I know about handwriting and pretty much turned it on its head so that when I looked at it, I had to completely rewrite everything that I knew because in order to find his lie, I had to find and say what actually looks normal (laughs) and pull that out of it. So it was really interesting. Very interesting. I loved it. Thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing those. And what about as far as with your work? So are you offering 
for people who are listening who might be interested, how do they get in contact? You, what are the types of things that you offer? For sure. So if they want to get in contact with me, they can check out my website, which is just handwritingpi.ca. We'll add that to the show. And, yeah, perfect. Thank you. And uh, if they want to send me an email, it's just handwritingpi at gmail.com. I'm active on Instagram. That's pretty much the only social media that I follow or am engaged in. And you can certainly follow me there and send me a DM and I'll answer you there. I offer a couple of different options for people. One of them is the same experience that my podcast guests get, but it's private. We're not going to publicize it to everybody. And I go a little bit more in depth with your handwriting. So we basically do an analysis. I talk to you, you ask me questions and we take a look. Oftentimes what I find people saying is that's exactly what their coach tells them. If there's a roadblock or something, they'll say, oh my God, I can't believe you just told me that. That's what my coach has said. So it's a really good way of just identifying where are you getting hung up? So that's, I offer that. And also for companies, we do the, I do the, for HR, mm-hmm. where we can do a different, there's a couple of different offerings for that to help you work with who Is to hire. For people who are dating and want a little information about people? Absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah, that's that going to be happening soon here. So. <laughs> that's right. And I do that. So I, I have, it's actually a compatibility analysis where that's exactly what we do is you send me both people's handwriting and we're going to spot where there's compatibility, where there might be friction points. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. It right. is. It's always fun to do that one. Okay. Well, I'll make sure we have your website and email in the show notes so people can find you if they're interested in getting some handwriting analysis. But before we leave, I'd love to ask you one last question because I always love to hear what the answer is. What are you sure of in life? I am sure that I loved mashed potatoes. Outside of that, I think it's all a wild card. (laughs) Oh, are you part of the potato club? (laughs) That made me so happy when you said that. Sure, my potato sister. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the only thing that I know. I love mashed potatoes. The rest, we'll see. (laughs) I love that answer. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, Teresa. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a blast to be on, Jolie. I so enjoyed Teresa's story. Teresa had her life mapped out. She had her career future planned and locked in for years to come until the rug was pulled from under her. With no forewarning, the future she carefully planned was taken away. As Teresa shared, the situation put her in a place of feeling like she had to accept roles. She was stuck in that have to cycle of taking on things that didn't truly fill her up or light her up, but which kept the bills paid. How many of you can relate to that? The immediate uncertainty and fear, the anxious worrying of what comes next. It's a feeling of being adrift and it can be so scary this type of situation was one of my motivations for this podcast. It's a common story, one I've heard countless times. And when it happens during a time in life, when you are over the age of 40, it seems to take a much bigger toll than the below 40. There's 
more of a panic in the over 40 population when dealing with this type of situation, which makes complete sense because you have growing responsibilities in life combined with the less opportunity available to those with the most experience. It is one of the U.S.'s greatest ironies that we have times that are full-blown talent wars, but we have a large percentage of companies that will not look at people with more than 20 years of experience. It's something our culture should feel shame for. I hit my 20 years of experience recently, and I can say without a doubt that I have never been more on my game, more confident in my abilities, or more worthy of being looked at for employment than I am today. The constant search for someone with five to 10 years of actual experience, but 20 years of knowledge is what is fueling the talent wars. Companies are out there begging for talent, but they refuse to look at some of the best talent available simply because of the years of experience on the resume. Does this not make you scratch your head? If you are running a business or a division within a company and you are struggling to find the right talent, I challenge you to open your eyes and look at the resumes of the people with 20 plus years of experience. You want talent? Look at the people who have spent the past 20 years becoming talented in their field. They know what they are doing. They have the skill set. They have the expertise. And guess what? They want to do the job. Not everyone wants to be a CEO. Not everyone wants to be an SVP. Some really love the work that is actually being done as a manager or as a director, and they are perfectly fine with the salary range. The job suits them. And guess what? If they have 20 years and still want to do that job because the job suits them, then they are much more likely to stay longer and have a bigger impact in your organization than the person with seven years of experience whose main purpose is climbing the ladder and finding the next best thing. I know that it is psychologically intimidating to so many to hire someone with more experience than yourself. It triggers an insecurity, a worry of being judged. But know that this is a human feeling and this is how the other person is feeling too. Know that you are smart enough to handle the situation and you have as much to offer this person as they have to offer you. So do yourself a favor and take advantage of this solution. We all have so much to learn from each other regardless of our age. Now, if you are on the flip side, someone who is struggling to find the right thing, remember to focus on the things that you can control versus the things you cannot control. What you can control is where you put your focus. Teresa's story is similar to so many others who have found themselves in a time of struggle, dealing with all of their have-tos. How many people can relate to that? Just overwhelmed with the have-tos. Surrounded with your have-tos and your heads down, just doing your best to exist, yet not fully living. As Teresa advised, allow yourself time and space to mourn what was and then spend time alone thinking and figuring out what you really want. Give yourself space for the answers to come up. 
there is a natural need to scramble when there is a layoff or a shakeup with your career, which skews the focus towards the have to instead of the want to. The people who are living that fulfilled, successful life, they have been in this moment and something spurred them to spend time to come to the realization of what do I want? Like Teresa said, it took her 50 years to learn that it is okay to say, this is not working for me. It is okay to step away and find something that will make you feel good in the morning. Even with the career she liked, she realized that industry and career had been picked for her. She did not choose it. But this is her life. She does get to choose. So she finally asked herself the right questions, and you should too. What do you really want? What fulfills you? What lights you up? What would you be passionate having the opportunity to work on each and every day? It all begins with identifying the wants. There is power in finding clarity and writing out your intentions. Getting clear on your goals and writing them down brings a special kind of magic and the universe conspires to make it all happen with you. The minute you identify what you want, you create this awareness in your mind. This puts you in a position where your eyes have been opened. This process triggers your reticular activating system, which causes you to see the world differently. Just like if you were to decide to buy a dog. The moment you decide to buy a dog, you start seeing dogs everywhere. They were always there, but you didn't fully notice them until you decided to buy the dog. The same things happen when you get really clear on what you want your life to look like. You will start noticing the potential all around that can help you reach your goals and it will feel like doors suddenly start to open. Spend some time tonight building that fantasy life, writing it out on paper, every single goal, every single ideal scenario, everything, the health and fitness, the character, the love, the relationships, financial, intellectual, spiritual, and I promise you, you will see change begin to happen. I loved that Teresa's kids were there for her, helping push her along with her goals. First, What a precious gift to have such good relationships with your loved ones. I am wishing you all such positive relationships with the loved ones in your life. Whoever you are close with, you can ask them if they would help you work towards your goal, help to be an accountability partner of sorts. It makes an incredible difference when you have someone asking about your goals, willing to talk with you when you reach roadblocks and help push you along. If you do not have someone in your personal life, you can join different Facebook groups related to your passion or your goals and ask if someone would be willing to be an accountability partner. I see this happening in tons of groups. There are so many options out there and so many people willing to help. Having the support 
of one person who is willing to show you a modicum of interest can be the catalyst you need to get where you want to go. I appreciate Teresa sharing with us how lost she felt during the difficult times, how she had taken it personally, feeling like she had missed the signs. I know so many of us have felt this way, struggling with the what ifs and the why didn't I's. This is human. This is so normal. But that does not make this thought process right. When you start going down the path of beating yourself up for past perceived transgressions, remember, you can only see what you see in that moment. You can only make the decision with what you have in front of you. You are doing your best in any given moment. Beating yourself up will not make any situation better. It will not make you better. The only way to make the situation better is to learn from it. And the learning, the true learning, is always empowering. When it makes you feel lesser than, when it makes you contract rather than expand, then it is fear that is not learning. Fear is insidious, making itself an unwelcome house guest after any difficult situation. As Teresa shared, her reaction was to not trust anyone again. This is, once again, a normal reaction and one that impacts countless people. Lucky for Teresa, she had her wake-up call and seeing that same reaction play out in her daughter. Has that ever happened to you before? Where you see yourself playing out in someone else and that epiphany happens? All of a sudden, you can see clearly just as Teresa did. Teresa saw that she had been putting on the mantle of victimhood and she had the power to pull herself right back out. It starts with recognizing it, making the conscious decision to reclaim your power, and then taking action. Your victim story can be turned into a victor story. You just have to choose to do so. Teresa also shared that meditation and journaling got her through a lot of struggles. We are often hit with roadblocks where we don't know what to do. And other people cannot give us those answers. We have to find them within ourselves. Journaling is a great way for you to learn to see how you are deceiving yourself. You can see where your beliefs are. You can find that clarity on the beliefs that are not true and find insight on what you need to work on so that you can move forward. If you have not tried journaling, it is worth giving it a try and seeing how it works for you. Finally, I'm grateful that Teresa shared how she would feel like she wasn't good enough. Like she had to be at the top of everything winning awards or else she wasn't quite good enough. This is the majority of the population's dirty little secret, the not feeling good enough, that imposter syndrome. I want you to work on shutting down this voice. This voice is never right. 
I want you to know that you are good enough. You are always good enough. You are playing no one's game but your own. And you own the game. No one is better than you at playing because you own the game. It is meaningless to be at the top of someone else's game. It is all about being at the top of your own. It is your life, your rules. You get to create them and you get to change them when they don't work for you. Create your world and build your life exactly as is right for you. That is my wish for us all. That you will embody your own game and always know that you are enough for whatever it is you want in life. Until next time. Thank you for joining us on Fresh Blood. Subscribe and follow us on all streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Player FM. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Fresh Blood Podcast. If you liked today's episode, please consider giving us a like and sharing with a friend. I hope you make today a most fulfilling day.